This is the Adventure Church Podcast. We are so excited you're here. Today, Pastor CJ continues in the series, Missing Peace. If you listened to last week's message, you found out the missing piece is you. Let's not be the missing piece. Are you ready to do your part to make the picture complete? We hope you enjoy this message. Take out your sermon notes. Let's get into the Word today. Uh, We've been in a series. If you're new here today, we've been starting a series last week called The Missing Piece. We talked about the missing piece is you. We talked about we want it to be the image of Christ. In other words, take on the look, the uh, the characteristics of Christ. We want to be like him. How many want to be more like Jesus? I don't know about you, but uh, in order to be like Jesus, that means we have to surrender and give up things so that he can take the place in which we give up. Amen? We decrease and he may increase. We die that he may live. That God, I want to be more like you. And I want to be that missing piece. I want to be your hands and your feet extended. I want to be one that does your work that calls me, Lord God, to do what you call me to do. But if you have your notes, you can see on your notes it says this, you and I are made by God to to know him. That's our first and foremost thing, that God, I want to know you. I want to know you, God. The Bible says the first greatest command is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit. That is the first greatest command, that God, I want to know you. I want to love you. How many of you remember the day when you first started courting your husband or your wife? You remember that day? Remember that day? Hey, I was 38 years ago, and I can still remember the day. Amen? And I remember that day, but you know what? When we were apart, I missed her so much. It was kind of like we were inseparable. You know what I mean? It was like, man, I remember that day. I couldn't be without her. I wanted to get to know everything about her. We walked because I didn't have a car back in my freshman year of college. So what we did in Minneapolis, we walked everywhere. We walked everywhere. I kid you not. That was was a cheap way, didn't have to pay for gas, but we, we walked everywhere, and in walking, I got to know everything about her. I got to know her shoe size. I know it now. Amen. I got to know when she was born. I got to know when, oh, like how many kids she wanted. I, I knew everything because we spent time together. And how many know the more time you spend with the Lord, the more you get to know him, right? You get to know the Lord when you spend time. I always say to be much for God, to be much for God, get this, you must be much with God. You must be much with God. i got to spend time with you, God. So our first and foremost is to make God, uh, to know God and to know him. And here's the second part. And to make him known to others around us. In other words, God, not only do I want to receive from you and become more like you, but I want others to know him. I want others to know you, Lord. I want others to know who you are. How many remember the day when you got get, you got engaged? Girls, when you got that rock on your finger, what did you want to do? You wanted to show it off. Man, you were walking around, you were showing off that ring, and you know, my grandmother, she would buy a bunch of rings. I, you could always tell when my grandmother got new rings. She had a ring on every finger. I used to call her rings and things. I said, Grandma, your name is rings and things. But whatever she got a new ring, she would always make it known. And here's what she would do. She'd come up and she'd do her fingers like this, and she'd go, you see my cows lately? And then I'd go, Grandma, what new ring did you get this time? Oh, you noticed? Well, how can I not? But she'd have a new ring on, and she wanted to show it off. And how many of you know, you ladies, when you get engaged, what do you want to do? Oh, back there, Chris is showing her ring off. Amen. But you're showing your ring off, right? Because you're excited because now you got your man, and your man's got you, and he gave you the proof, right? And so you get excited because you want to tell everybody, I'm engaged. Hey, this is my man. He's my man. Look at my ring. Check it out. Look at me. Rings and things. Amen. 
And but the thing is the same way with God. When you get to know him, you want to make him known. You want everybody else to know that you know Jesus and you want them to know him also, right? That's the whole thing. That God, I get excited and I want to make you known. The Lord's desire is that we seek to understand and reflect his character. How many know that's true? That, God, I want to understand you. I want my, the mind of Christ. Am I going in? Am I going out? But, God, I want to reflect your character. I want to reflect who you are. God, what is the image of you? The Bible says he who claims he lives in him must walk as Jesus did, 1 John 2, 6. God, how did you walk? I want to demonstrate your character. Your character is love, obviously. God so loved the Lord world that without love you have not God and you don't know God. The faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. God, I want to know your love. I want that character. I want to be a person that loves. Amen? And so that, that's a character of God, first and foremost. But there's other characters of God. Character of compassion, mercy, forgiveness. Aren't you glad that you're forgiven? How many of you know that it's man, easy that we want to be forgiven? How many of you know that we want to be forgiven? Whenever we've been offended or we offend anybody, we want to be forgiven. But how many of you know it's harder for us to forgive them sometimes? Why is it so much so we want to be forgiven? We want to be forgiven, but, man, I can't forgive you. You see, with God, we got to learn that character is that I, I forgive. I lay it down, and when you strike me on one cheek, I'm going to turn the other cheek and let you hit there because, Lord, I want to walk in the character of forgiveness. I wonder how many of you are carrying unforgiveness in your life, and you're not truly walking in the character of God because you're unwilling to forgive. You see, forgiveness, when you're able to walk in forgiveness, it opens up avenues of freedom in your life, newness, freshness in your life. But forgive, unforgiveness, what it does, it rots in you. And bitterness, get this now, bitterness never hurts the one who causes it as much as the one who harbors it. So if you're harboring bitterness and unforgiveness, what is it doing? It's affecting you more than it's affecting the person that you're mad at. So one of the things of character of God is that, God, I want to walk in your character. I want to walk in your love. I want to walk in your forgiveness. And Aaron, can you do me a favor? Can you go to verse 8 with this when we go on to Philippians? So Philippians chapter 2, starting with verse 1, and I want you to take it into verse 8, Aaron. In Philippians chapter 2, verse 1, it says these things. And watch what he says in Philippians. He says that we should have the same character or the image of God. Can you show that up there, Aaron? He says there, therefore... If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, how I many you know that when you become more like Christ, you take on the image of Christ? Being united, being one mind, one body, one soul, one spirit, that's what he says. Love the Lord your God, right? With all your heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit. Being one, being connected with God. If any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, isn't that what it is? The compassion is his character. Have you ever noticed when Jesus came upon a crowd of people? I love this because what happened was when he came on a crowd of people, he didn't look at the faults in people. He didn't look and point finger and say, this one's no good, this one did this, and this one did that. Every time Jesus came upon a crowd of people, you know what he did? He was moved with compassion. In other words, understanding of where you are. 
Aren't you glad that we have a God who's able to sympathize with us in our time of weakness? And that's why he says in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14, 15, and 16, that we have a priest that's able to sympathize with our weakness, and therefore we can come boldly to the throne of grace to receive mercy and help in our time of need. So in other words, God understands where you're at. So when he came upon a group of people, he didn't point fingers and judge and condemn and put down, but he was moved with compassion and love and understanding. Isn't that a great character? That How many of you can really say that you can walk into this room and maybe you know each other and maybe you know something about each other and every time you see that person, you're reminded of what that person did or didn't do. And it's always brought up. But you know what? When Jesus came on the crowd, he was never reminded of what they did or what they didn't do. He looked at their heart. He looked at their heart and he was moved with compassion and forgiveness. That's a great character. That God, let me walk in the arms of you and the love of you and the forgiveness of you. But then he goes on to say, watch this. Then make my joy complete by being like-minded. That God, I want to be more like you. If you want to make Jesus happy, there's two ways to really make Jesus happy. I want you to, if you're taking notes, write this down. The first way you can make Jesus really happy is Hebrews 11, verse 6. Faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. But Hebrews 11 says this. It is impossible to please God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God because he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So the first step of making God happy is walking in faith. That God, I want to make you happy, and so I'm going to walk in faith. What is faith? It's trusting, it's believing, even when you don't feel it, see it, or sense it. That's what faith is. Even I don't feel it, see it, or sense it, I'm going to walk by faith. And when you do that, you get God happy. But you know another way you get God happy is when you start walking out your faith. When you start demonstrating your way and having the mindset of the Lord. You see, that's why he said, make your joy complete by being like-minded. What is the like-minded of God? Like-minded, being a servant, being compassionate, being forgiving, man, understanding, walking in mercy. You want to make God happy? That's how you make God happy because you are acting out the character of God. Have you ever heard the statement, like father, like son, like mother, like daughter? We take on the image of God. And so when you take on that image, you want to make Jesus happy, man, you walk it out. You know, it's kind of fun. When my kids were growing up, they played basketball. And uh, obviously, you know, my one son's 6'7", the other one's 6'4". And uh, it was so good, I, you know, not to brag or anything, but how many have proud parents? I mean, you know what I'm saying? You know, Andy, your kids play basketball, and they're good. But when they get on the basketball court, and, man, it was so fun because I played basketball, I played college ball, and had all these different accolades I've, I've achieved. But it was really cool. As soon as my sons got on the basketball court, they dominated. That's how they got full-ride scholarships to Illinois. They played basketball. They, but they dominated. And every time they would score or whatever, they have to say, who's that kid? <laughs> oh, that, that, that's my boy. And every time when, when we'd go to the high school games, it was so cool. It, when they go to the high school games, they do the starting lineup, right? At point guard, number 32, Chris Johnson. At forward, number 33, Rick Johnson. The cheerleaders for Central High School, Heidi Johnson. And man, <laughs> I felt like NBC. My kids. And then you ever heard that commercial, parents, do you know where your kids are? Yeah, they're right there. Yeah, they just scored. Yeah, that was, my, that was my son that made that shot. 
But in other words, you were proud. Aren't you a proud parent of your kids, right? That's what Jesus is to you. If you would get the concept of how Jesus is proud of you when you start putting feet under your faith and you start acting out who Jesus is, he's in the bleachers, which is in heaven, saying, that's my boy, that's my daughter, that's my kid, that's my son. Woo! And he gets excited. And you want to get God excited? Man, start doing and acting out the work that God's called you to do. Walking out his character of who Christ is in you, right? That's how you get excited. That God gets excited. You see, in Philippians, it goes on to say, now watch this. Then make any joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being in one spirit and one mind. God, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, rather in humility value others above yourself. Ooh, that's pretty hard to do sometimes, huh? And then it goes on, not looking to your own interests, but to each of you to the interests of others. Wait a minute. Oh, you got that backwards, God. You take care of me first, and I'll take care of you. How many of you have ever said that before? God, you do this, and I'll do that. That's not faith. We always want God to respond first, and then we'll react after his response. It don't work that way. God did respond by sending his son. That was the first step. Now you take the next step. That God, I'm not going to look out for the interests of others because what is the second greatest command, Christy? To love the Lord your God is the first, but the second is to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, a lot of times we can't love our neighbor as ourselves because we don't love ourselves. We don't like our self-image. we got a poor self-image. We, man, we got all these things going on against us. And so, therefore, because we don't love ourselves, how can I love others? You know how you learn to love yourself? By reaching out to others. And others will tell you how wonderful you are when you're telling yourself how bad you are. Others will say, hey, man, thank you. Thank you for what you did. And you know what? It does something to you to hear that someone else is encouraging you. Because a lot of times we listen to the wrong voice. And that wrong voice we listen to is you. And you're your worst critic. You're your worst enemy. You're the one that's always putting yourself down and telling you're not worthless. You're worthless. You're no good. When God said, you are someone special, right? Then he goes on to say, watch this. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. In other words, in our relationship here, this body, these people, Man, when we come into these doors, we should be the happiest people. We should be in the safest place ever. That, man, I can go up to Nelda and say, hey, man, it's good to see you. And, I, and I'm glad to see you. And, man, make people feel welcome, loved, accepted, forgiven, and most of all, safe when they come in these doors. That doesn't matter who comes in these doors. Man, I don't care what you look like, smell like, act like, where you came from, what you've done. Well, you should come in this church and feel safe, right? And that's what Christ wanted us to be. Now watch this. Who being in the very nature of God, in the very nature of God. Look what Jesus did. He was God, right? But look what he did. Did not consider equality with God. In other words, he humbled himself. Doesn't the Bible say to humble thyself in the sight of the Lord, and he'll do what? Lift you up. It's humbling yourself, not my will be done. But, God, your will be done. Now, watch this. Did not equality with God, something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. But look at what he did. Taking the very nature of a servant. What? What? God, what? You're God. 
You could have been under the palm leaves and being, man, fanned and people feeding you grapes. And you ask for a drink, they run. Man, they do all these things. They wait on your head and toe, man. They, they take care of you. God, what are you doing? You're in the highest place of authority, and you're surrendering your authority and walking in humility, and you're serving me? Isn't that exactly what the disciples did? When the disciples, when Jesus washed the feet of the disciples, they said, I'm not worthy for you to wash my feet. I should wash your feet. Jesus said, no, I'm a servant, and I'm going to lead the example and show you how, what you should do if you had the same likeness of me. We talked about last week having the image of Christ. God, I don't want just to have the image of God, but I want the feet of God. You see, he said, being in the human likeness and being found in appearance of man, he humbled himself, being obedient to death, even death on the cross. Wow. So he humbled himself, became a servant, and even was willing to die for you. Man, I got eight grandkids, and I'll tell you something, man, I'm, I'm a selfish grandpa. I don't know if I can honestly give up one of my grandkids for you. I love you, but I don't know. But Jesus did because he loves you. He loves you, and out of his love, he wants you to love him in return. And out of your love in return, he wants you to show that love to others and not your own interest. He wants you to respond and show others that you love him. Why is it so, like I said, we're so wanting to be forgiven, but it's so hard for us to forgive others? You see, the function of the church should be the example of Christ's likeness, looking out for others and not just yourself. That's what the function of the church should be. You see, if you look at the book of Acts, why did they add to their 5,000, 10,000 daily? Is because people looked out for the interests of others and not just themselves. In other words, they, say, they showed how much they care. You know, people don't care how much you know. They don't care how much you know. They want to know how much you care. People look to see if you're genuine. Are you committed? Are you going to keep your word? Are you genuine? Are you committed? Or are you going to keep your word? That's what people look for. They want to see, are you really committed? Are you really into this? Are you really dove into this Christ-like thing? And see, listen, that's the function of the church. Not looking out for others, but just looking out for your, uh, yourself. You see, I love this. Our mindset should be that Christ's taking the nature of a servant. That God, I want to be a servant. I want to do my part and get dirty. I love Bob. He's a good friend of mine back here, Bob. Bob and Pat. But I love Bob because wh whenever I see him on Wednesdays at the 50 and Older Club, he doesn't know this, but he's going to know it now. One of the first things I look for Bob is I look at his hands. You know why I look at his hands? Because Bob is a mechanic. And I look at his hands, and when I see his hands got grease on it and stuff, I know that man's been working. You see, work shows effort, and effort shows dirt. And you get dirty when you serve. And when I look at his hands, I like, you didn't even know that, now you know. Now he's going to come with clean hands, I know. You're going to put palm olive on. He's going to put lotion on it. You're going to have soft little hands. It's going to be like a baby's butt. Amen. I know. I got it. I got it. But you know what I'm saying? But I look at his hands, and I see that there's grease, and I see that there's dirt from him working and being a servant. 
And God wants us to be a servant. You see, that's why it says in Mark 10, verse 45, and look at what it says here. Even the Son of Man did not come to be served. In other words, he didn't come to be served, but to serve. He came to serve. He wanted to take care of the needs of the people. Everywhere you went, they were pulling on Jesus. Everywhere. When there was no food, what did Jesus do? He turned the five loaves and the two fishes and fed 5,000. When there were sick people, they brought them to Jesus. Jesus healed them. Everywhere Jesus went, when they were thirsty, he gave them living water. Everywhere he went. Can you imagine? Talk about not getting a break. The only time I really read about Jesus getting a break is in Mark 135, where he went off to a solitude place. And you know what he did in that break? It wasn't taking a break and reading a book. It was that he went off to a solitude place and prayed. But otherwise, everywhere Jesus went, it was all about serving. It was all about doing the kingdom of God. You see, steps to being a servant, number one is this. Steps to being a servant, doing things that others may not want to do. Man, doing things that others may not want to do. I told the story in the first service. You come to the first service, sex service, I say different stories. And the reason why I do, because I get bored preaching the same thing. I never preach the same message. That's the truth. I, I really do. I got two messages every time I, I preach. But in the first service, I was saying this. When I uh, was going to college, I was looking for a job. True story. I was looking for a job, and my wife was the bread and butter maker. And, I, I, man, I needed to find a, a job. I was playing basketball. I was traveling for the school. I was evangelizing. I was you know, doing all these things. But the money wasn't coming in doing that kind of stuff, so I needed to get a job. And right across the street from North Central is called Augustana Nursing Home. And uh, a lot of the students from North Central work there except me. And uh, each day, I'm not kidding you, I promise you, I promise you, for three weeks I would go day in and day out. And of all things, his name was Mr. Johnson, Johnson & Johnson, stuck on Band-Aids, right? And uh, so I would go there, and every day I'd go to the, the Mr. Johnson. And he had big bay windows, man, that, that faced out to the street, and he always seen me coming. And when see me, when he seen me coming, he'd do this. But I'd go. And I'd go in, Mr. Johnson, are any jobs open? No, every day, three weeks, I promise you. Finally, when I went there, I said, Mr. Johnson, any jobs? He said, yes, by the way, there is. And he said, I don't know if you're going to want it, but if you do, it's, we got a job for you. I said, I'll take anything. What is it? Not knowing really what it was, right? So I took it. Guess what it was? It was washing pots and pans. I mean to tell you, if you know about a nursing home, they have to feed 300 and some patients there. So they had those big, you know, containers, those big drums. And, man, I had to stick my head way down there and get to the bottom. I'd pull my head out. I had macaroni and cheese all over my head. I'm telling you, I looked like, man, I had disease on me, right? But you know what I did? I made it into something fun. I turned those big bad boys over, and I'd play. I'd take out the spatulas. And I'd start making rhymes. Man, before you know it, I had the whole kitchen staff coming back with other things. The joy of the door. And I was just having fun. And I was serving to the best of my ability. I'd come home and my wife, man, what's in your hair? I said, I don't know, man. It could be someone. I don't know. <laughs> but you know what was happening? I served to the best of my ability. And I was doing something that no one wanted to do. And before you know it, I was doing the dirty work. And before you know it, God began to elevate me up the chain there. Before you know it, I was the head cook on Sunday, on, 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 in the evenings. I really was. I was cooking for 300-some uh, patients, and I didn't even know what I was cooking, I promise you. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I burned water. But, but 
my point was, God elevated me when I was learning to be a servant. When I started out from ground zero. You see, sometimes, listen, you have to be a servant before you get to be a leader. You see, servanthood prepares you to be a leader. It prepares you to get out in front that people can say, hey, wait a minute, hey, that's, that guy went through the school of hard knocks. She went through the school of hard knocks. She and he knows what they're talking about because they served before they got there. Right? So listen, you might do things you don't want to do. And another one is serving without expectation. Serving without getting something in return. You know the Bible says, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. That you just serve without expectation. God, I'm just going to do it because you said it and that settles it. I'm going to do it, God. I'm not going to, man, what am I going to get into this? What is it for me? What, what kind of skin do I have to do? And Man, what's going to be the payout? That's our mindset. But serving for the kingdom of God, God doesn't just give you just temporary things. He gives you eternal things. So what your reward is going to be great is eternal things, not temporary things with moth and rust and thieves break in and steal. But God's going to give you eternal things. Can you imagine when you get to heaven? What is God going to place on you? He's going to place a crown on you, right? Some of you, your crown is going to be so big that your head's going to be like this. And what's inside that crown? It's inside that crown is a ruby or a jewel or a pearl or whatever. And you know what that's going to be? God's going to remind you of everything that's in that crown. Jessica, you see that ruby right here? That's because you served and did that. Man, do you, Bill, you see that pearl in there? That's because you, you did that. And God is going to remind you for everything that you did. You see, and then here's the cool thing. Nothing can take it from you. It's going to be your memento of the victories that you won and the service that you gave for the kingdom of God. That's your payback. And you know what? That's eternal value. Amen? And that's why when you go to heaven, Jesus says these words. But the first thing that's going to happen when you, uh, step over, uh, uh, when you step over that line of pearly gates, guess what Jesus is going to say to you? Well done, thy good and faithful servant. That's what he's going to say before he says, go and prepare. God, God, go down the street right here, turn right. That's the house I prepared for you. God can't prepare the house until you prepare it for yourself. That, God, I'm going to serve it. I'm going to walk it out. I'm going to do that which you called me to do. So that's your payback. Number three, working unto God and not just man. You see, when you're working unto man, you're going to get mad. You're going to get upset. You're going to get grumpy. You're going to get angry. Because you know what? Man's going to let you down. How many of you know that's true? Man will let you down. That's where a lot of our disappointments come. Come on. Amen. A lot of our expectations come when man lets us down. They hurt us. They don't follow through and all these things. And then you get focused on that instead of focusing on God. I said, man, I always say this, and this is my, my model. You keep looking up, he'll keep you up. You look down, you're going to start to frown. You start looking down, you start looking at all the negative things. Guess what that's going to do? It's going to bring you down. And when it brings you down, you know what it does? <laughs> It sucks the life out of you. You know, it sucks the life right out of you because that's exactly what the enemy wants to do. He wants to kill, rob, and destroy. You got to look up to, so he can keep you up and stop looking down so you don't frown. And you know what? When you're working under God, it doesn't matter what man does, man doesn't do, the expectations that are let down because I'm working under God and God sees what I'm doing. How many have ever had this happen to you? 
that you've done something great and you really worked hard. Maybe you wives, maybe you cleaned the house up and made it just sparkle. Guys, maybe you cleaned the car up and just made it look sharp. And your wife comes home and notices the car and doesn't say anything. Or the husband comes home and sees the house and it's cleaned, doesn't say anything. What does that make you feel like? Oh, he or she don't appreciate what I've done. They don't respect my hard work. They don't respect my effort. So guess what? The next time, you're not going to do it. Why should I? He didn't appreciate it. She didn't appreciate it. Why should I do it? Do you know what with God? If God, now I've got to get this. If God is concerned about every hair on your head, and he counts the ones even that fall, isn't he concerned about even the things that you do? Everything that you do is never missed with God. He sees it. He sees it. And you know what he does? He banks. He has a bank for you. He's storing up all the rewards that he has for you for everything that you do. And one day he's going to remind you, when you thought everybody wasn't looking, when you didn't feel appreciated, I did. When you go through tears and you shed tears and you go through sorrow, you go through pain, you know what God's going to do? He's going to pull out one of these little vials, and in these little vials is going to be your tears. And he goes, remember when you said you weren't going to make it? Remember when you said you were going to fall? Remember when you said you are going to quit and you have shed all those tears and all that pain? I have every tear to remind you that you made it. That's how much God cares about you. He cares about everything you do. And nothing is overlooked with God because he sees all, knows all, and he hears all. He knows. You see? And then another one is this. Serving to show the example of Christ to others. God, I, I want to show the example of Christ to others. How can people know that you're a believer? Just by your words? I'm a believer. Big deal. What makes you different? What makes you different is walking out your faith for God. Going the extra mile, being a servant. Man, going the extra mile and saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to touch others. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to reach out for others. In Ephesians chapter 6, verses 7 and 8, it says these, serve wholeheartedly. It doesn't say halfway. I don't know about you, but I don't like lukewarm tea. I like my tea hot. Amen? How many like your coffee hot? Especially in the morning, burns your lips, wakes you up. <clears throat> Uh, you think it's the coffee, but really it's the hot tea, the hot coffee. You go into, you go into work, they say, what's wrong with you? Oh, burnt my roof, my mouth, my coffee was too hot, right? But you like it hot. And what happens if it's lukewarm? You warm it up or you let spill it out. God says he don't want you to be lukewarm or otherwise he's going to what? Spool you out of his mouth. And what God wants you to do is he wants you to go wholeheartedly. In other words, put your best foot forward. When you put your best foot forward, you know what it does? It gives you a clear conscience when you go to bed. It gives you a clear conscience that, hey, I know that I put my best foot forward. I did everything I could. I did it to the best of my ability. I know that God is pleased with me no matter what other people may say. You see, as if you were serving the Lord, not people, because you know that the Lord will reward each one of you whatever good they do. Isn't that cool? God is making deposits in your life. You know what he says in Ephesians 1.18? He said the Holy Spirit is just guaranteeing those things yet to come. And so he deposited his Holy Spirit in your life. Do you remember that day when you received the Lord in your life and how exciting that was? And you thought that was great? Can you imagine when you get to heaven and God's going to unfold the whole picture? This is your reward for what you did for me on planet Earth. Isn't that cool? Then, man, he's going to reward you. 
You see, we, we think of our reward by every paycheck that we get weekly, every two weeks, or if you work for the government every month. But God rewards you day in and day out. Aren't you glad that you can breathe today? That's a reward. Aren't you glad you got dressed today? That's a reward. Aren't you glad your car started today? That's a great reward. Amen? He said, but look it. He said, because you know that the Lord reward each one of you, whatever good you do, whether they are slaves or free, that God rewards you. Serve wholeheartedly to the Lord. You see, listen, how can we show others the image of Christ is having a heart to serve. I have a heart to serve. You see, everything comes from the heart. Everything comes to your heart. You know, when you serve your spouse, why do you do it? Do you do it basically out of obligation? And if you're doing it out of obligation, you're probably doing it with regret. Oh, I don't like him, man. I hate him. I just don't want to be his wife anymore. Oh, I don't want to be her, his, her husband anymore. And we're doing it out of obligation. And therefore, when we do it out of obligation, it's not fun anymore. Because I'm just being a slave to him, man. He just wants me to be a slave. and He just wants me to do this. And what happens is we start doing things out of obligation. We lose the joy in serving. But when you serve your husband or your wife or your children or your whatever, you do it out of love. I'm doing it because I love you, not because I have to. I love you, and out of my love for you, I want to. Do you get that? Out of my love for you, I want to. Not because I have to. And if you have that kind of mindset, you're not going to like serving your husband or your wife. All he do is come home and sit in a recliner and wants me to serve him. What do you think I'm his maid going to wash the dishes, make the food? Do Man, you can write a book about that. But that's because you're doing it out of obligation. But you do it out of your heart, love. It's the same way with people, right? Listen, serving is something hard. It's hard. It's hard to serve. How many know that you saw those pictures on Facebook with me and Jeremiah? And those are real fish, by the way. Uh, Jeremiah, we caught those bad boys. And I know that you think that we blew that picture up. No, those are real, actual fish. Amen. That's the biggest fish I caught, praise the Lord. But you know what? How many of you know that the fun part is catching the fish? Man, fighting it. Man, when I caught that northern of 10 to 12 pounds, whatever it was, you know, that was fun. Man, that thing was laid on the bottom. It was making me pull it up. Man, it was fighting me back. That was fun, man. My arm was tired. But the pole was, you know, making, oh, that's a thrill, right? But you know the hard part is? Cleaning it. Right? That's why some of you like to catch and release. Because you don't want to clean it. And you know what? The church is all about this. You bring them in, we fillet them. But in filleting, filleting them, it takes you to be involved. So listen, it's the hard part. Giving up your time. How many know that's true? Man, giving up your time may be right in the middle of a crisis that you're going through and somebody's calling, hey. Can you help me out? Oh, I wish I wouldn't have picked up the phone. Your energy? I mean, you know, that's true. Right? But in the end, it's rewarding. It really is. Stop basing your things on temporary things that are seen, but base your things on eternal things that are going to be seen later. That God's going to give me eternal value later. You see, in Matthew 20, verses 26 through 28, I love what Jesus says here. Not so with you. Instead, now watch what he said. Whoever wants to become great, want to be great? That's why the G is on the Packers. It doesn't stand for Green Bay. It stands for great. What a game last week, amen? That game was like kissing your brother. Nobody won, amen. Oh, well. 
Well, I'll tell you, I lost all my nails. Look at that. I can't even do back scratches anymore. My wife said, scratch me. I said, there's nothing there, honey. Amen. But you know what? Listen, not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be a servant. Starting from ground zero, making your way up. Making your way up. You see, the president doesn't become the president by just being the president. He had to go through school of hard knocks. He had to go through things. You didn't get to your places of position where you are without going to a school of hard knocks. You had to start out on ground zero, washing pots and pans, start out on the ground zero. Did I like doing that with macaroni in my head, dried egg, milk all over, man going home, looking at people laughing at you? No, but it elevated. It elevated you. You see, and whoever wants to be first must be a slave. In other words, committed to the task. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. You see, listen, becoming great in the kingdom starts with serving and looking out for the interest of others. Our communities will see the image of Christ in us if we will do our part and serve. That's how people see you. I'm going to close with this real quick, but in 1 Corinthians 12, Jesus likens the church to body parts. He likens the church to body parts. And so how many of you know that we all need our parts? And we, we uh, had a gentleman in our previous church in Grand Junction, Colorado. His name was Bill White. And Bill White was a baker. And uh, when he was baking, he had one of those big blades, you know, big mixing bowls. And he got his arm too far down into the mixing bowl that it caught his arm and cut his arm off up to his, his uh, elbow. And so Bill, we used to call Bill the stub, okay? He had a stub. And Bill could have used that as a handicap. He could have looked at it as like, I'm crippled, I'm not able to do anything. But you know what Bill did? He reinvented that stub. And he was the best back massager ever. He'd come up with that stub, and he'd do your back. And before you know it, man, you'd be... Yeah, keep it up, Bill. Keep it up. Get the kink out. But he utilized, even though he was disappeared or he did, he was lame, he utilized what he had. And what God does for you is he gives you gifts, and he equates it to the body. He says, just as the body, though one, has many parts, but all its many parts are from one body, was the Lord. So it is with Christ. For we all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, every one of us, every one of us, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free. And we were all given the one spirit to drink. That's Jesus. Amen. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Amen. Made up of many parts that we need each other. Now it is what the foot should not say, because I am a hand, I do not belong to the body. If it were not for that reason, stop being a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body. It would not for that, that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts of the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. What is he saying? In other words, he's using the illustration that every one of our gifts and talents and ability form the body of Christ, that we all function together, that we form the body of Christ. 
as it is, there are many parts but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. My kids, when they were going to college, they were lacking money. And if you ever think about North Central, right next to North Central, there's a medical lab there. And have you ever seen those commercials on TV? If you take this medication, it might have some side effects. It might bring rashy to your skin or give you heart pulsates and, and all these different things, warnings about taking this medication. Well, my boys were guinea pigs. And Terry, you, you guys know that place right next to North Central? And they went to this place, and they make big money. Some of it, if you want to make big money, I can tell you the place. And they make big money. So what they would do, and Christy, you're a, you're a, you're a nurse, so you probably know. And what they would do is they'd go in and be guinea pigs. And they would go in, whether it be a two-week stint or a three-week stint, and they would get being guinea pigs. And what they would do, they were experimenting with new drugs. And so my kids, boys, it wouldn't kill them, but they would want to know what the side effects were. So they would go in, and maybe, let's just say it was Tylenol, okay? And they were doing Tylenol, and so they would take this drug, and then after they would take these drugs, they would take lab work and so on. And then they would ask them, what is the side effects you have? And then they would tell them the side effects or no side effects or whatever. And then they would, if it was a three-week time, they would make $5,500. If it was a two-week time, it would be $3,600. And uh, they would make big money just for two weeks, $3,600, three weeks, $55. You want to make quick money, go get blood. Amen. Uh, but anyways, they would do that. And so they were all excited. My son got $5,500, and they were all excited. But then he came home, and he said, after he did the experiment, he said, Dad, Dad, he said, guess what? They offered me to do something great. He said, I can make all kinds of money. I said, well, CJ, what's that? He said, they, they offered me $40,000. I said, $40,000? What do you have to do? I have to cut off my little toe. You ever heard that statement, this little piggy went to market, right? But you know what? It may seem to you that, ladies, you like to get your feet done and your toenails all painted up and your little toe doesn't maybe look like much. But you know what your little toe is? It's what keeps the balance. And if you cut that bad boy off, my son would have been lean and lean, 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 lean. And what seemed to be indispensable and seemed like it was no value, the little toe was actually what gave him the balance. And sometimes in your life, you may feel to yourself that this has no value. But if God gave you the gift for the body of Christ, it has great value. That's why he says in Romans eleven twenty nine, he says, I don't need you. He says, look, go to Romans eleven twenty nine. 29. It says this, it says, for God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. In other words, what God's put in you, he never takes it back. And the reason why he never takes it back, he's praying that you get off your blessed assurance, Jesus is mine, and become part of the body of Christ so that we can all function together for the glory of him. Amen. He wants you to get involved. Give involved. You see, in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, Romans 12, verses 6 through 8, and as we get ready, go, go ahead, Jeremiah, as we get ready to close, we all have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. We all have different gifts. How many of you know I'm so glad that I have a different gift and you have a different gift for me, amen? Could you imagine if we all had the same gift? He says this, given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. It, if it is to encourage, then encourage. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, then lead diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. 
Do you ever think about that? Look at your list. I'm going to go down it quick. If it's prophesying, then prophesy. If it is serving, then serve. Get involved. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is encouraging, then encourage. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, then deal diligently. Do it the best of your ability. If it is to show mercy, then do it cheerfully. Amen? So in other words, you can get involved with the game. Be a part of what God wants you to do. Don't be a sideliner that's never have an outcome of the game. Get involved. Get some skin in the game. You see, people will never be fulfilled if they're always sitting on the sideline with no purpose, direction, or plan in your life. And God put the church together that we can do great things. That two shall put 1,000 to flight, two shall put 10,000 to flight. Can you imagine when we all work together for the glory of God? They say that the church is made up of 20% of the people doing all the work and 80% of just cruising. Right? But that's not going to be fun. You see, listen, let's not be the missing piece. Let's all do our part to make the picture complete. Today, I'm going to have the ushers come, and we're going to hand out something today, and if the ushers would come, we're going to hand out some forms, and here's the form, and here's what we're going to do, we're going to close with this, and then Jeremiah's going to lead us in a song in a moment, it's twofold, okay, what we're going to do is, if there's an interest that you'd like to serve in, please check this off, please check it off, okay, go ahead, hand it up, please check this off, okay, but the second thing, we really desperately need this, okay, our directory is so outdated because we're growing so fast with new people. Can you please do me a favor? Please fill out your name and everything. Don't go without that and your phone number because we need to make that for our new directory. So it's twofold. If you want to get involved, check out some of these boxes. But secondly, please fill out your information that we can have that. Can you do that? Can you please do that? And then at the end of the service, the ushers are going to be by the door. And all you have to do is fold it and put it in the basket. That's all we're asking. We want you to be a part. Be a part of what we're doing. Get involved. Be a part of what God wants you to be. You want to be great? Be a servant. You be a servant, you become great. Amen? So Jeremiah is going to lead us in this song. And when you're done filling it out, just stand as we close in this last song. You keep drawing Thank you for listening to this week's message from Adventure Church. Well, it's finally here, the Adventure Church app. We invite you to download it by searching either Apple App Store or Google Play, or simply text AC Siren App, all one word, to 77977 to get a direct link. You can also check out our website, www.adventurechurchsiren.com.